0: So in the extraterrestrial research part of the archive, this is at the observatory, because um, all this, anything that has to do with space doesn't go to the Vatican archive, it goes to the observatory, which is in Castle Gandolfo. And that's a space observatory. So basically they just had from back in the day, you know, from like 1200 onward, what people have thought about and published about extraterrestrials. But if you look at the history of Catholicism and you look at, like, especially people in the Vatican, they know about Emanuel Swedenborg, who's talking about angels and people on Venus and things like this in 1750. Right? In 1750, there was a best selling book called Life on Other Planets. There was a
1: best selling book called Life on Other Planets.
2: yeah welcome back to blurry creatures this is your first episode welcome welcome to the show you
1: might want to go back and start we've the been, beginning this is kind of a journey yeah, podcast Nate.
2: exactly been doing this for a couple of years now we've heard a lot of weird stuff our paradigms have been smashed and put back together several times uh, just when you think you know what you're talking about or you think you understand what's going on you hear a story or you hear another smart person come on and blow it up again so those of you who have been around since episode one thank you thanks for being on the ride with us we know how you feel because we're right there with you yeah right just one is true yeah
1: blows the whole yeah. paradigm
2: <laughs> well look at you using the yeah antenna. you know
1: you have to once I, yeah. I prefer i prefer just to quote jet jet if i really want to do it but um yeah that's the most fun but we
2: were just talking luke and i were just talking off air a little bit about just how blown away we are, with the response of the podcast, uh, just how it's been charting, people buying merch, people be supporting the podcast, and just going places in the public, and people stopping us and saying nice things, and it's a podcast, you don't ever think, you never know, we're just having conversations and we're putting it out right. there, we don't really realize like, oh, you know, this is, this is wild, this is, this is something that seems to be needed, a lot of people need to have these weird conversations, so we're happy to have have them for you right and with you and uh yeah. sometimes with you as well <laughs> with you. but i you know i want to say this luke that a lot of people feel alone a lot of people message us and say you know i'm thankful for you guys because i felt alone my whole life and it's i'm just thankful for your friendship luke because we can have these conversations together and we don't think each other is crazy and i sometimes i understand how they feel but then other times i'm like I'm, i feel lucky that i have a lot of friends in my life who don't who don't think this stuff is crazy who and and we can have conversations about it. But a lot of people, they tune into the podcast, and they have nobody to talk to. Them. Maybe even their spouse doesn't right. even believe in any of this stuff. And we're so, grateful for you
1: being here, yeah. though, and you're welcome here. Yeah. And I truly believe there is a quickening. I think that people are waking up. You know, like we always say, like this. This is we're just a couple guys that ask questions. We don't have PhDs behind our names, but we we're looking mm-hmm. for better answers. Most of all, we say this almost every episode, Nate. We we want people to think for themselves. So digest the, the the things the experts we bring on that have spent the research time and and decide for yourself think for yourself that's what makes yeah. free speech great that's what this country was founded on that's what made this country, made this country great was that you had a free exchange of ideas and you could let the cream rise to the top and that's you know i think in some ways kind of what we're doing we want to have a platform where we can talk about things and and then ruminate and and marinate
2: age in the fine the fine whiskey barrel that's right you but be, you believe he's out there now huh
1: just one of those people's right he's out there you know it's listen I mean we've come a long way since Bigfoot but we need to we we know our we know where our core competency is and so we 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 have to talk about the big guy Uh, we're grateful to all our members if you if you want extra content you can join uh, join up become a member there are extra episodes exclusive episodes there are exclusive groups Facebook Discord Telegram groups you can join and and continue discussion about episodes and everything blurry um, we also yeah. have merchandise, if you like. Nate's a pretty talented, creative dude, and, and we've got some fun t-shirts. All that goes to support the podcast and, and us doing more of the more blurry things and more of this. So thank you to our members. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, check out our webpage.
2: Where, Nate? Blurrycreatures.com slash members or slash merch. Yeah, we also have a link to our, our official Spotify playlist for all the music hey. you put on the show. And, and a guest suggestion sheet. And we're gonna be doing more for you know all the members on the show. We're coming out with ideas every day. Right. We've got a lot of ideas. Yeah, but you guys have been awesome. Thank you for all the messages. Sorry we don't get back to a lot of them um, lately. It's just been a ton, and we're trying to. I have, an, I have know, a newborn. New dads, have a old newborn. dads. Yeah.
1: Yeah, new dads, old
2: dads yeah. is a good way we're, to put it. We're flying by the seat of our pants, and I thank you guys for supporting the show, putting food on the putting food on my family's table, and helping uh, this show get produced and uh it's become so much bigger than we ever imagined and we can't say thank you enough and i actually put ephesians 6 on my wall in here when i'm podcasting now because how crazy the show's gotten i gotta like stare at it you know put on the armor because it feels like this stuff's just it's not only is it real but it's coming at yes. you and in, in a way that i've never thought so, possible so, so for are praying,
1: praying for us and um yeah yeah we're grateful for this community and yeah let's let's bring on dr diana Pasolka.
2: yeah we have dr diana Pasulka today she's coming on the show she wrote a book called American cosmic academic who talks about the blurry things in our world which you know we always love those people who are bold in their field to talk talk about the truth and and not be afraid to have a bunch of pushback because I mean, just the pushback we get sometimes, I'm like, gosh, I can't imagine being in, like, an academic field and all the stuff they get. It's bold. You got to be bold to speak out, you know, and there's a lot of people getting put in jail these days if they speak out the truth, so, you know. At least Facebook
1: jail. Uh, Doug Van Doren goes to Facebook jail. More than Facebook jail. Doug, we love you.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, literal jail. Some of these doctors who speak out, they're going, they're getting locked up, you know, and it's crazy, just false accusations and all kinds of stuff so yeah you guys are awesome thanks for supporting the podcast yeah. thanks blur hey. yeah. thanks matt marr hang Thanks, out. matt marr for for the
1: suggestion and for recommending diana we need a show roller yeah we do
2: you're now entering the blurry <laughs>
1: Well, Dr. Diana, we're glad to have you. So we'll do a proper introduction. Dr. Diana Pasolka, you're an author and a, and a professor of religious studies at the University of North Carolina in Wilmington and chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religion. We wanted to have you on because you wrote a book called American Cosmic, which is UFOs, Religion, and Technology. Really picked our interest because, and in talking to you before we started recording, uh, you're, you're also a Christian and and we found out you didn't believe really in, in any of this stuff when you started researching it, which I think is a, is, is, a fascinating journey. I think with all of that, I would love to ask you about that journey from, you know, a religious studies professor to, you know, to this book, like, you know, how, how did, how did that process happen and how did you end up writing a book on, on, on UFO? Yeah. Religion? And
2: you, you and my sister are both Davis alumni. So shout out.
0: Mm. Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> there. are uh, Davis uh, is uh, one of my favorite places riding around on bicycles. And um, there's a great religious studies program there, which I had taken classes in and philosophy too. Uh, okay.
1: Wait, so, and I'm a Chico State guy. So that we we're rivals at one point. Oh, now you guys yeah, are D1. That's one.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Wow.
2: <laughs> I'm Cal Poly. I'm Bigfoot on the circle. Awesome. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Much okay. California educated right. kids. We're that's all right. brainwashed, yeah. right? It's yeah, to that's some right. extent, get out of yeah. the
2: brainwashing. I think that's how it
0: works,
2: yeah. <laughs> baby. Hopefully,
0: okay. The Southerners are going to say, "Oh no, this is too much." right. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much NorCal that's here right. in the South. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Okay, so I had I had an idea to do what I'm doing now when I was 11. So I wanted mm. to. I was a um, a kid who was who had a feeling of being religious, like being Christian when I was young. And so what I did was I read the Bible basically when I was about 11 and it was the King James version, which is not a Catholic version of the Bible, but it's a, it's a Protestant version of the Bible with a, it's a red letter edition. Mm-hmm. And so I would mm-hmm. focus on Jesus's words in the Bible. And I said, you know, the Bible, once you actually read it is quite strange and it doesn't make a lot of Sense it's a lot of books put together. Now, if you're a kid, you don't know this. So, but I w- I knew enough to know that through reading this book, there were there's a history here, and there were these original languages that this book was you know translated from. And I wanted to learn those original languages, and I wanted to know about the history of the Bible and religion in general. So that was kind of like a goal that I had um, mm-hmm. when I was very young. And I ended up doing that. So I started off as a born again, Christian, my, my family, my dad was Catholic and my mother was Jewish. We came, you know, from eclectic, California, new agey culture, Mm. and they weren't particularly religious, but I was. And so Mm. I asked them if I could attend a Catholic school that was actually run by sisters, the, the sisters of mercy. And these were great role models because they were living the gospel in terms of actually uh, helping people and you know, doing actual work of feeding people and clothing people mm-hmm. and getting them medical supplies and things like this. They were doing this in Central America at the time. And so this, this was my early education. And so I decided to, now, I grew up you know what it was like in the 90s uh, in California was the dot-com boom. So it was really mm-hmm. easy to get a job doing really anything tech-related and make decent money. So I mm-hmm. did that, and that kind of kept me off my route of going to you know, school for religious studies for a while. Uh, But I kept reading philosophy and religion. And I knew that eventually I'd do that. So I did. So in my 20s, I I went back to graduate school. And I was I applied to the Divinity School in Berkeley. It's called the GTU, the Graduate Theological Union. And it is a great school because you've got everybody who wants to learn academic you know, the field of academic religious studies, but also they want to either be a priest or be a rabbi. And there are schools there that teach people how to do that. So that's where I went. And hmm. so I took classes at UC Berkeley and I took classes from the Jesuit school of theology. And I took classes from all kinds of different schools. And I learned a lot about religious studies, which is different than theology. So people hmm. ask me, you know, are you a minister or what do you do? No, I teach academic, I teach, that basically that comparative religion or the history of religions so we learned every i learned about every sort of religion so i teach classes on hinduism buddhism islam muslim you know uh christianity i teach christianity to people who are christians and have not ever read the bible by the way so um mm. so these are the things mm. i do i had never thought of ufos before so how did mm. that happen so um what happened was that i've you know, when you start, when you're in an academic program, it kind of distances you from things like miracles and the reality of, of religious people and how religious people have experiences that are, that they could call miraculous. Yeah,
1: supernatural stuff, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Totally supernatural stuff. So it teaches you to not believe in those and it teaches, it, it distances you from those things. And so I was fully distanced from these things. Until 2011 and 2012, when I had the experience of finishing a book about a, a Catholic doctrine, of purgatory, I'd been through a lot of the archives of, you know, Catholic culture, and I did a lot of research. You know, I was a, I was a complete academic nerd. You know, this is what I was immersed in doing. I had young kids, and so I was my life was basically taking care of my kids and doing research and teaching nothing else. And then what happened was that I came across all these sightings of UFOs. <laughs> I didn't know they were that. Like I didn't I didn't think about it in that mm. way, but I I saw from like 1100 onward to like up until the present that European and North American and Canadian Catholics were basically identified these flying objects in the sky, but they were interpreting them as different types of things. And so I had a kind of like a breakthrough weekend where i had this and and i was done with this one book and i said i'm i don't know what to do with all this stuff i had kept a log of these sightings like here's an example of of one of them a sighting that this nun had it was this in the 1800s and she kept seeing these orbs come through her cell you know uh Basically, she was in a, a cell, right? Like, that's what nuns lived in, these convents. And it was a stone cell that she was in. And these orbs would come in. And she was afraid of them and didn't, didn't know what to think of them. So she told the Mother Superior and the priest of the convent, they didn't believe her. But she kept having this experience. So finally, the Mother Superior sat with her one night, saw the orbs herself, and realized that she, they thought that they were souls from purgatory that needed to be prayed away and they got the whole community together and they prayed. Well, this is the type of thing that I kept coming across. And so I showed the log to a friend of mine. And I said, I can't, I really don't know what to think of this stuff. And he said, it looks like Steven Spielberg, like, you know, UFO mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, you are crazy. But that weekend there was a UFO conference in Wilmington. and I attended it. And when I attended it, I realized that people were still having these experiences and then boom, my world changed. I completely, the supernatural became real and I had an experience, I would call it, it was an experience that was frightening, terrifying, and also strangely familiar because I recognized that those things that i had been studying my whole life, actually real, <laughs> and mm-hmm. how now do I think about them? Right. Like, how do I deal with this now? And mm. I frightened a lot of my colleagues. You know, they were like, "What's <laughs> going? What happened to you?" Right? And um, but you know what? I developed a new way of uh, in my field of of talking about this stuff. So I've you know I was already the chair of my department back then, so mm-hmm. I could do that. I could write a book about UFOs without being maligned. And then the US government comes along this last summer and basically says, Yeah, they exist. We don't know what they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of you know, my my book came out, the timing was perfect for it. So mm-hmm. that's what happened.
1: It's mm. wild. I Yeah. There's I mean there's so many things I want to ask, but I, I think it's fascinating that you wrote this book, taking these experiences and then contextualizing it in in the context of a religion. I think one of the things you talk about is that there's seventy five percent of of American adults believe in, in extraterrestrial life. Right. And this is yes. it, the way that you teach academic religion. You make an argument. This is becoming a religion. It is. Can you, can you unwrap just a little bit of that for us? Cause I think that's a fascinating way to look at it. And it's what Nate and I were talking about in the very beginning, Diana, when we were, that we started this podcast was to try to contextualize the, the, the crazy things people experience and see stuff that's in the Bible. That's that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, and then to try to make it make sense in, you know, through the lens of, of, of the biblical narrative of our, with the foundation of our faith. And, and you're taking this Mm -hmm. experience and saying, this also looks like a religion, the way that people treat these experiences, which I think is is a really interesting juxtaposition on, on this. And I would just, and I know you spent what, 60 years doing, you know, an ethnographic study on, on all of this. So I I would love just for just a little bit of insight to why you see it like that. You know, and maybe even why you called it American cosmic, with the idea that then this happens across the across the world as well. So,
0: sure, yeah. So American cosmic. So that references to a book by Henry Young called "The Russian Cosmists," wow. and so this this is how that happened. So, along the way of doing this study, it became known that I was doing a study like this, and I was approached by people from who were affiliates and worked with NASA. And also, uh, were involved in our U.S. space program, mm. and so they ne- they came to me to understand what they were trying, what they were seeing, basically, mm-hmm. and what they were experiencing, and they wanted me to kind of explain it to them, <laughs> which I thought was so strange. <laughs> and so what happened was that I learned, I started to do some historical work about our space programs, and I recognized that at the basis for the Russian space program. The two viable space programs back in the day, right? The Russian space program and our space program, the United States space program, and each of them were founded on very odd ritualistic types of things mm-hmm. going on. You know, you had mm-hmm. Jack Parsons with us, and I don't know if you know anything about him, but he yeah. he would do these kind of occult, not kind of. That's the California yeah. way of saying it. Crowd, yeah, like yeah. Crowley
1: stuff. Yeah. Yeah, full yeah, on yeah.
0: occult work. In order to download or you know bring bring about these technologies that would help him develop rocket technology, at the same time or a little bit earlier, the Russians were doing the same thing, but theirs was Christian. Their theirs were ritualistic, but they were Christian. they had, you know they they believed that they were getting in touch with angels and beings that mm. were godly, not demons and things like that. So, but the rituals were very similar. Okay. Although they, you know, the Russians didn't involve the weirdness that that Jack Parsons was involved with, but for a person who studies religion, they were rituals, and most people don't ascribe science with rituals, and they don't ascribe our space program in particular. They want it to be completely nuts and bolts, you know, and no paranormal stuff. Oh. But I'm sorry, at the basis of both of those, you know, developments mm-hmm. were ritualistic, paranormal activities that kept going on and so one of the people that was that i associated with and learned from was uh, i call him tyler d in american cosmic he was basically kind of like an if a, in the tradition of jack parsons but without the crowley stuff because he was christian but the space program the american i just did a talk on this actually the american space program is steeped especially when it does these certain launches down in cape canaveral they have they have to do it at certain times. They have to do it. Certain people have to stand in certain places. They have these patches that look, you know, in special clothing that they use. I mean, it's it's ritualistic. And so wow. um, so that's why I called it American Cosmic, because I wanted to, to identify this. This tradition that we are completely, as Americans, unfamiliar with. We don't even know about Mm. it. And in fact, if Mm -hmm. you ask people in NASA today about Jack Parsons, they don't want to know. They're like, I don't, let's not talk about that. That's the, that's what I got back when I was doing this research.
1: Interesting, too. Nate, because the the other thing is, Von Braun, right, was a Nazi. Yeah. So you have these, you know how the Nazis were so very much focused on the occult and trying to harness, I mean, they had, they built, rooms and and castles and they had they were I mean they were practicing black magic. I mean they were doing satanic mm-hmm. type things and then yeah. you have one of those people That's really interesting to hear. Yeah. I mean because
2: yeah. Yeah, we we hear it all the time on our show because we have a lot of we have a huge following of flat earthers who listen to the show and they get they get really into NASA and the deceptions and stuff. And um it's not really what our show's about. I mean we talk about creatures specifically, but we've heard everything from there's orbs associated with Bigfoot to actual abduction stories and encounters. I mean, there's nothing weird that we've I mean we pretty much have heard it all now after doing this for a couple <laughs> right. of years. And everything's strange, but it is I, I do argue sometimes with the flat earthers on our show and say, Look Whatever you think, whatever we think we know, it's always 30 times more complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like NASA is not operating what it tells the public what it's doing. Yeah. That doesn't mean, yeah. it doesn't mean everyone in NASA secretly knows the world is flat and they're right, hiding this right. from us. And, and yeah. you're the only one who figured it out. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so
2: it's, but I, but I do think you're right that there, there's a lot of occult stuff that goes along with CERN. It's science, but mm-hmm. wait, what are they doing? What are they really doing here? They tell the public, oh, we're just putting these particles together no 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 you're doing something else and so we hear that all the time then and, and it's always good to talk to someone who who discusses with these because these debates go on in our channels all the time like what is that what is nasa really up to what do they know and a lot of this stuff happened around the 30s around roswell suddenly all these agencies sprung up out of the ground and i think they do obviously know things that, that we sort of you know debate on our show, like what's going on? Do they have alien tech? Did, is Did they did they go to the moon? Did they not go to the moon? What did they find there? Where do these creatures come from? So it's all very blurry, but I, I just think it's complicated. So it's good to hear you kind of put that to words because I've always kind of associated like some people know in NASA, but some people don't. And it's just this complicated dance, but hey, flat earthers, that's not a dig at you. Love having you listen to our show. Mm-hmm. just got to say that.
0: That's exactly the case. So in fact, what I did was in my book, I created a framework for us to understand what was going on. And the way I did that was I used a reference to this movie called fight club, which was a book. Okay. So before, and it's a, it's, it's a very, it's a very intense movie, but what it does have in it is this idea that there's this underground movement that of men basically, and they, they have a club, but they don't talk about right, first
1: rule. It. and mm-hmm. so, That's right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. First rule of fight club. Don't talk about UFO fight club. club. Yeah. <laughs> so so this is what's really interesting is that the main one of the main people of my book is Tyler. And I named him after Brad Pitt's character yeah, in good. Fight Club. Oh. Yeah, Dude, yeah. Just a
1: quick pause. We love movie references, yeah. or at least I do especially. <laughs> so this is just wheelhouse. 80s, 80s. movies, too. The I mean, 80s is yeah. our show is 80s themed, but any movie reference. So I'm, we're tracking, loving this too. Tyler, yeah, from
0: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: It was so, it's not just NASA, but it's also aerospace and the NRO. So, all of these organizations that are, you know, space oriented, they have the rule, which is basically you don't talk hmm. about it. Not only do you not talk about it, but your boss doesn't even know what you do. Okay. So, Tyler's boss didn't even know what he did. His, the friends that he worked with, at the places where he worked. They didn't even know what he did. He couldn't talk about it. He also had these constraints. He couldn't go on the news. He couldn't go online and look at the news. In fact, oftentimes he would ask me, can you look at this website? I want to see what it says about so-and-so, right? And I would have to look for him and tell him because he wasn't allowed. He was monitored that much that he wasn't allowed to do that. So what I did was I unwittingly, not by my own choice, found myself am- amidst this culture of people who were so incredibly compartmentalized that oftentimes they didn't even know what their mission was. He never knew what his mission was. He had to figure it out. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the level mm-hmm. of secrecy that was created in order to keep people from not knowing, even the people that were doing these missions from not even knowing what they were. Um, there was a, point when i believe that in fact i stumbled upon names for programs i didn't mean to but i did and then they would change the names to numbers that's
1: crazy
0: (laughs) you know Mm. yeah so i mean that's that's how it works yeah it's very strange yeah and then
2: people people get mad because like bob lazar you know basically said this and went public with it and they're all like well there's no record of him doing this and that and i'm like you don't think they could make they could easily make someone disappear because they barely Have any you know, like you said, they have they have this. It's just this shroud of secrecy that kind of flows through it. I remember my my ex father in law was telling me a story before, you know, he he passed away. He was saying that his dad worked in Area Fifty One. He said that his dad came home and told him a story once that his father's in Area Fifty One with clearance, with security, and yet while he's in there, they had they were moving something from one one part of the facility to the other part of the facility. And they had a bunch of armed guards there, protecting inside this high security clearance area, moving things. Like his dad is like, I don't know what they're moving, but I am not even allowed to see what they're moving. And it's it was just like, and then later on, years later, you hear Bob Lazar's story about this, and you are like, they they didn't know, and he couldn't talk with his other coworkers because they didn't know what they were doing, and everyone was sort of in the dark. And then skeptics will listen or show like, ah, oh, these people are all liars and this isn't true. And I'm like, well, it makes a lot of sense when you hear that, you know, a lot of people don't know what's going on. And I wonder if that's because if, if they find someone that they don't like, they can just get rid of them real quick and and they don't have to deal with it or they're just afraid of it yeah out. i think
0: i think that it was a it was a really genius plan to do this because then if you want to keep a secret also they don't write you know people especially in the communities of ufo people people who are uf- yeah. ufologists they really focus on textual things like things that are written down by clearance people and things like that well i i promise you that they're not writing these things down so, they have communities of oral tradition, and we call it oral tradition, where they mm. pass their information to each other in word. And they call it, there's a word for it called pencils up, where, you know, okay, this meeting's pencils up, which means you don't, nothing, right? Oh. There's no written record of it at all. And so, I mean, it's a genius way to keep this type of thing quiet. Another strange thing, though, that happened was that the man who I called Tyler, I showed him everything I was going to write about him. By the way, it was cleared with everybody in my book. They read their chapter and they wrote off on it and said, "Yeah, it looks good." Um, one thing that happened was that I found out that he identified with Tyler Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Oh, he even he even had the soap.
1: He's soap. The
0: Fight Club soap,
1: <laughs> and he also
0: had he had the uh, robe. You know, Tyler Durden wears like Mm. this purple robe. He had the purple robe that he, he would have at home that his family would make fun of him for having. I mean, so I nailed his personality. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. And well, it's not even just UFOs. I mean, it's 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 all the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It's we talk about ancient history a lot on our show. It's all the the, the architecture around the megaliths. Ah, there's, you know, this Egyptian timeline that is inaccurate. Egyptologists are always arguing Bigfoot sightings. Oh, those aren't real. You know, it's every single. And we constantly go through the archives on this show. We're talking about giant skeletons were discovered when we that gets covered up or ufo reports and this isn't a this isn't a modern thing you can go back in news archives and read about these things and bigfoot sightings go back a long time too so it's just constantly shrouded in conspiracy theory nobody wants to look at it but it is cool that a lot of you know doctors and educated people do come on our show and every once in a while the right personality who's actually applying the scientific method will come on and say look at the evidence it's right here you have to apply it but it a lot of people are afraid. I guess they're afraid of like Jeff Meldrum, who's like the Bigfoot guy. You know, he said all his colleagues would make fun of him all the time. Mm-hmm. He was constantly being ridiculed because he's like, "Look, I have actual evidence. I know what a, I know what a real footprint looks like. This is not a human footprint. I can. This is what. This is my life's work. I can prove to you this is not faked." And yet, every all of his colleagues still laugh at him. So there's something strange going on in all these areas, whether it's aliens, UFOs, or all the cryptid science. So it, it's good to hear you. Kind of talk about this a little bit because we we do the make that point a lot on our show that no matter what rock we turn over, it's always this mysterious. The bones go missing, or so so we say on our show all the time, and we even we even make shirts about yeah, it because it's the, so.
1: Yeah, we, do. <laughs> we have to, to send you one. That's right.
0: <laughs> um, I'm actually writing an article right now for a folklore edition for my field that talks about why. You know why stigmatize knowledge? Like it's called stigmatized knowledge in my field. Like, and so you know, people who seemingly are above suspicion in terms of their scholarship, like John Mack, who studied UFOs, he was a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, research scientist at Harvard, and yeah. you know his own university put him under investigation for studying UFOs in a way that was act that was, you know, he. Conform to the scientific method, you know. So, I mean, um, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I I was certain things had changed by the time I started doing this work, and this was, you know, in 2012 on up, and then my book was published in 2019. Uh, But when I would when I would be asked by usually grad students to speak at their universities, a lot of my colleagues would be horrified by what I was talking about, and they were sure that I had been misled. By people who were not actually who they said they were. Well, I knew who they were was actually accurate, right? One of those people is Gary Nolan from Stanford University. He's James in my book, but I couldn't say so at the time because the government hadn't yet come out. But then when the disclosures of UFOs started happening, you know, now those people want to write about UFOs. And, you know, and so I just think that that's disingenuous, you know, because they didn't follow the data then. How are they going to follow the data now?
1: Yeah. yeah. No, that actually has kind of piggybacks on the question I want to ask you about all this, because it, your book, like you said, your book is timely, right? In 2019. Yes. And yeah. now we have, we talked about before, we have the government, they're holding meetings now. Congress is, have, is, is holding holding meetings about UAPs. They're now talking about it and they even renamed the whole thing to, to destigmatize yes. it, right? <laughs> But yes. do you mm-hmm. think that we are in the middle of another like so. it- Copernican sort of revolution where where we're sort of reorienting because because we have this new th- we have this thing that people have been talking about for a long time but now it's being talked about in the mainstream narrative. You think that we're in a bit of a revolution in in the same way that like Copernicus in his in his revelations changed the way people thought about Earth and man and where we where we said, Do you think the things happening right now and we're kind of in the midst of this?
0: Yeah, so I do think that, okay, so first, the Copernicus analogy is really good, right? And I actually did use that in a proposal that I was you know, putting together uh, for a book that I'm writing right now. But after assessing it, I also see that we're in a, a completely different era in terms of our infrastructure. So, you know, when Protestantism and Catholicism split there was a, it was because of technology. It was because of the Gutenberg press, right? So the printing press allowed people to read the Bible on their own without it, you know, being in the hands of priests and such. Right now, what's happening? This disclosure is not is not on the time frame of those who are disclosing. It's on the time frame of the people because right now you have other space programs you have a Chinese space program and you have other countries that are putting things up into space and they're beginning to see what's up there and so we can't they're not going to keep the lid on all these things that are flying around and by the way once people see these things that are flying around their worldview is open so that they can see other things too okay so they see that reality is not what we've been told it is is reality is not what we've been told it is reality is not Now when this happens I think that and will we have enough people? I think that we're at a really interesting point in human history, frankly. And I can't predict what's going to happen, but I can tell you that that people have been here before. And if you look pre-Christian even to like Plato and Plato's Republic and, you know, the cave, the allegory of the cave yeah. where people are like, hey, you know, when Jesus was killed by Rome, a lot of his followers called him this, called him Socrates. They said, you know, you're like Socrates from back in the day, you know, you were killed by your government for trying to get people to see what is real. Right. And so I think that we're in that kind of place right now. And I think that we're, we're getting a lot of narrative framing and we need to be aware of that. And, but I don't think with that, honestly, I don't have a lot of hope that I think that communities like yours and communities, you know, that I feel like I might be a part of are, we can help each other to identify the BS, right. right. And the, uh-huh. the framing that, you know, no, this is how it is kind of thing. And we're like, no, that's not how it is. Um, we have brains, you know, we can figure it out, but a lot of people will just go for the bread and circuses instead. And we, and we can't fight that because technology, this is a good part of my book, actually is phys- physiologically addictive. So, you know, when you have like, you know, TikTok or something like that, and I see this, the changes in students because I'm a professor. So the people I see are 20-year-olds and I see 20-year-olds from 10 years ago, 20-year-olds from 20 years ago, and 20-year-olds uh, today, and they're different. And the reason they're different is because they have this thing that they're like sucked into and they're addicted to it and it is changing their behaviors and everything so Mm. um yeah i think it's a scary time to tell you the truth
2: yeah yeah i hear that a lot i mean and it's it's amazing how you know when you everyone seems to have some sort of experience whether it's you know they see a bigfoot and you typically it's people that are the most skeptical who see something like this or they see a UFO. We had several people come on our show and say these things fly right over their head, Jeez. 10 15 20 feet, and they're silent and yeah. they're huge. They're like the size of buildings, and they're doctors. You know, we had a doctor come on and tell us his his experience. And, and I think that for the most part is that more and more of these things are happening. Bigfoot mm-hmm. seems to be the most sighted of the creatures, mm-hmm. but the UFO phenomenon is ramping up. More and more and more people are seeing this, and so eventually you know they've got to get into on top of the story is mm-hmm. is c- kind of the narrative that we hear a lot is that it the because of the cell phones because of the TikTok videos because of all these things more and more is coming out every single day and eventually it's going to be undeniable and sort of this f- fake history that we've all been taught Someone's got to tell us, you know, the new fake history, I guess you could say, like the, the aliens seated us on this planet, you know, and they're the ones who did it all. And it, it kind of feels like we're we're being built up to something like that, some sort of ultimate reveal, some sort of close encounter where it, it finally happens and everyone can see it. There are a lot of channels like us who are just trying to tell Christians like, hey, this stuff's been going on in the Bible since Genesis, mm-hmm. wake up. <laughs> you know, it's it's right there in the pages. The weird stuff happened. We had encounters with with angelic realms they came in they messed with us they gave us technology and it's like it's crazy how many people just don't know this they've been going to church their whole life and they're like man you know like we bring on a doctor he talks about genesis 6 and some of the weird weirder passages of scripture and then all of a sudden they're like i'm in i get it it makes sense you know it's not hard and so what do you think was the moment for you when you were you, you weren't a skeptic anymore You be, you believed mm-hmm. you knew something was going on something changed like you sort of had your epiphany yeah I guess to yeah, see-
0: okay, so that's why I'm really always tolerant of people because of my own history, right? So as a child, I was I had super I had experiences of things, and I was a believer, right? Complete believer mm-hmm. in the supernatural aspects of religion, which is, by the way, ironically why I wanted to study religion. And then when I became a graduate student, I mean, that's a very intense training that you go through. And I started to study it from a distance, right? It was an evolution that I never acknowledged. It just literally happens to a person. Because you're so immersed in communities of like-minded believers. Like they believe what you're, you know, they're being taught what you're being taught. We all are on, it's almost like you're, you share their frequency. And so when something weird happens, you don't even see it yeah. because you're not trained to see it. And mm-hmm. then what happened was it was, it hit me so hard in one weekend that what I had been studying my whole life from a distance Was actually real because i heard these people talking about it and then i then this happened to me and then this happened to me and i was like whoa wait wait Hmm. so i went back and i looked at some of the major what i call contact events in catholic history where Hmm. literally people are being absconded by angels (laughs) Hmm. and i i read the original sources so i looked at them in their original languages And they didn't look at all like how they'd been represented in art. So we tend to look at the art Mm. and we're like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty. Right. Right. This angel encounter looks really nice. Well, this angel is beating the heck out of this person. You know, it's like or this or that is happening. And I was like, wow, no way. And I just went back. And so this all happened in 2012 during a whole Mm. weekend. And it, it it stayed with me for a whole year this feeling of being disoriented because of this. Now, strangely enough, I was working with these two screenwriters who were the, they're Christians, this Chad Hayes and Carrie Hayes, and they were the screenwriters for The Conjuring. And I Hmm. was, I was actually a consultant on the first Conjuring, the movie. And so I was, and I, my expertise was in traditionalist Catholicism, which is what Ed and Lorraine Warren were, You know, they were traditionalist Catholics who believed Mm -hmm. in demons and they were, you know, helping people get rid of, you know, they were exercising people, helping people. And so those guys who were from California, and I felt like kind of like akin to them, they were identical twins and they were like Christian and they really wanted the conjuring to to come out with a very intense supernatural message. And in fact, if you look at the last, you know, the quote that Ed Warren says in the last, in the conjuring, the first conjuring, the last scene, you know, it's real, you know, it's real. The supernatural is real and evil mm-hmm. is real. Okay. So, so they were with me that whole time. They lived in Wilmington doing the filming for the conjuring. And so mm-hmm. I had them to basically, they wanted to know cause they could tell something was going on and they said, what's going on with you? You know, are you going through some kind of like research spiritual thing? And I said, yes, I am actually. And I told them about the UFOs and I said, I've become convinced about this and it's changed my whole worldview. And so, mm-hmm. so that's, they, some, they helped me through, you know, we helped each other actually, because then I showed them what I was doing and I introduced them to some of the people. And so this was my year. It wasn't a moment. It was a whole year in 2012 of waking back up to the reason why I studied religion that's basically mm. what it was
1: was it mm. was there any any moments where you, getting outside of that like you felt like maybe it challenged your conventional beliefs Yes. that where you yes. were your, were your faith yes. were you like maybe question your faith and then how did you how did you sort of I never that? okay
0: so I never questioned my faith it made me more faithful in mm. fact but what it did do is it scared me a lot and there was Mm -hmm. a point where I said I'm not gonna do this because I perceived so much darkness Mm -hmm. like so much darkness I went to a I went to a conference and this conference now in retrospect was it was a a conference with CIA it had some CIA affiliations yeah and the people there you know there were people who believed they were hybrids and things like that and everything like that I wasn't It wasn't that it was the ideas in the conference that were so challenging to me. And this sounds very strange, but I'm just going to tell you how it felt. I felt the dark. I felt darkness. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that the the ideas were dark. I literally felt it. And after that, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is very bad. It's very Mm -hmm. negative. And then, um, you're amongst, you're amongst
1: friends here. That doesn't, that, that doesn't surprise us too, at all. Yeah, It was like, yeah. harsh.
0: it was like, this is really negative stuff. And I'm, I don't want to bring that into my life, but I was, so there were, there are enough good people who, to kind of are in my position, who are doing kind of similar things that they kind of helped me come back to why this is important to do right now mm. and why. And in fact, I get, I was harassed. I get a lot of harassment. I've, you know, Uh a lot of times I, uh, Gary and I both were harassed and we reported this to, he, he reported it to the Stanford police, you know, university police. And I reported it to my university police. I'm meeting with a uh, detective this week tomorrow in fact about it so it's not like you can just go out there and do this research and right. not th- and think that oh yeah it's going to be all fun it's not it's um I don't know why people are doing this but I do know that if they're doing it there's a reason for it there's mm-hmm. you know so uh,
1: I have a follow-up question to that because I it's something yeah. I wanted because I think this actually fits into that but you talked about all the aerospace stuff, right, and, and the space programs, and, and the ritualistic yeah. bases on that. In your research, do you believe that those institutions or people within those institutions believe that they are getting information from ETs or, or, you know? What we would assume to be maybe like even demonic stuff. Yeah. Like, like they are, yeah. th- because there's a, there's that thought too that, like, and I know that's something that you talked about with Tyler, was that he believed that he had this extraterrestrial mm-hmm. knowledge downloaded to him. And when I hear that, to me, it sounds like, oh, you're kind of accessing the spiritual realm. And of course, this, this is not a new thing. This is as old as Solomon said, nothing's new under the sun. But yeah. the fact that some of these things are based on ritual, it just got me thinking, like, how much did you run into that where either. The technology, or the ideas, and 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 the you know, the idea of technology as well was was coming from somewhere else, like or, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just that just was something that like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I think this is an ongoing question. Okay, um, definitely, many people that I met who were within those programs that we talked about believe that they were in touch with ET presences, mm-hmm. just like Constantin Constantine Chukowski from russia believed that he was but he thought that they were angelic um jack parsons did but yeah. he thought that they he didn't know what the heck they were right, frankly right. and but they looked pretty evil to me <laughs> like i thought mm-hmm. his whole program was pretty twisted
1: yeah. It was babylon workings right it was all it was really like gnarly mystery school satanic stuff oh yeah, it, de- yeah. it
0: definitely was but it, i it was efficacious in the sense that it definitely got us off of uh, earth into space you know it did work i guess is you know for better or worse, I suppose. But um, sounds a lot like yeah, sounds so a lot white- like
1: Gen six, though. It sounds a lot like the trading of technology and ideas for, in that case, women. Right? It's the idea that there there's this transfer of knowledge. You know, if you ascribe or or you you look into the into Enoch, right? And you talk, which is you know just a big exposition on on Genesis six. There's the idea that all of the watchers taught. Humans how to cut roots and practice magic. It was all technology. It was learning the father of of, of hus- animal husbandry and all you know all these things that all of a sudden you have the explosion of technology. So th- that's what I hear in in this space too is like that. Yeah, they're tapping it. That they're getting they're getting knowledge from somewhere. Yes. Else.
0: So I mean, yeah. In the introduction to my book, I basically said that there's a myth of Prometheus, right, which is the giver of technology to humans, mm. and he's kind of an he gets punished for it by the gods. Right. So he's not a God, he's a half God and he's a a Titan and he's like this, you know, he's the one who gives technology to humans. So it's not, it's a, it's a myth that's been around, but it's no longer mythological when we get into my book, you know, it appears to be a reality is what I was trying to say was that, how do I talk about this academically when the people that I'm interviewing believe that they're getting technology literally from, you know, ET or, some external source. And I, there were various ways of doing that. One was to talk about creativity and what that does. And that possibly makes your brain think that you're, actually getting it from an external source, but you're actually in a certain state of vibration in your brain. So, you know, there's lots of different, there are different frameworks, not lots, but there are different frameworks for looking at this. And a lot of people go with the literal framework of, you know, this is a living myth. This is not a myth, actually, this is real kind of thing like Tyler Mm -hmm. does in my book. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the scientists do, they're more literally minded than people in the humanities, I guess. Okay, but we let's get back to this idea of feeling that the darkness of this. So, you know, when you look at Werner von Braun, right, and you look at his, how he created his technologies, we have to acknowledge that he had a concentration camp, you know, yeah. where people, there were more people who were killed in the creation of his technologies than actually by the weapons that came out of his technologies. Mm. I mean, could anything good come from that kind of Creation, you know, where people are sounds, literally slaves. sounds like a
1: ritual too. Like mm-hmm. you, you're, it's mm-hmm. the letting of blood. It's it's a sacrifice so it, in a macro form, It's a sa- it's a human sacrifice, right? It's which is really crazy to think about.
0: It's absolutely true. Yeah. So again, in in my field, we talk about ritual studies, and there is uh, Rene Girard. Is I don't know if you know the work of Rene Girard, but he basically makes the case that you know religion came up especially he's Christians, he's Catholic. And he basically said that Christianity is the religion that recognized that all human progression seemed to happen from sacrifices, from, you know, ritual sacrifices. And he said, Christianity was the one that basically said, let's make this the last sacrifice. Let's make Jesus the last sacrifice. And then acknowledge our innate desire to kill each other over things, you know, over basically scarce resources. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, did did the space pro? I don't know. That's a lot of stuff <laughs> that you'd have stuff. to like look into. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I can say that all of that stuff is quite disturbing, you know, and that these are the kinds of things that I worked with when I was writing that book. And I ended in a pretty negative, like, I, I wouldn't say I was optimistic at the end of that book. In fact, yeah. I ended it with uh, Martin Heidegger's idea that only a god can save us now
2: yeah yeah oh yeah luke and i talk a lot of off show about how dark it gets on our show just people coming on sharing their stories and then it's funny we we were we were talking in the day about man the last couple episodes have been dark and then we get an email from one of the our recurring guests who says that she has somebody who's been came out of the occult was 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 a satanic ritual abuse survivor and wants to come on the show but we have to disguise her voice and all this different stuff and it's like wow we were just talking about this loop. I was just telling we Nate. Nate I was like, email. I can't do any more, any more <laughs> heavy
1: episodes for a while because it's just—it's a. I mean, it's a lot. It is. It's it's, it's heavy. You know, in yeah. the art of war, you yeah. need to know your enemy, and so part of of uh, us being Christians it, 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 in, in understanding the gospel is understanding that we're also in, at war. We are in, we are caught up mm-hmm. in a cosmic war. You know, we're not fascinated by the darkness, but we want to expose it. We, people need to be aware. It doesn't serve anyone to put your head in the sand. You're obviously there. You wrote a whole book on on traversing this space, and yeah, it gets heavy. Nate, Nate made a great point. Like, and I can see it through. You know, six years of studying this, you ran into some, as you say, really dark places. Well,
2: what I think is the one thing that I've learned a lot on this show is just how many people have carried these burdens, these supernatural burdens, I would I would say, or something like that, where they don't understand why would God flood the world? You know, they've carried these, these, they believed, but they haven't believed with their whole heart because they've questioned the old Testament. A lot of things in the old Testament, which are very blurry. Like why, what was going on then? And then when you just, when you, when you work backwards from like some of these creatures that people see today, and it goes all the way back to the corruption of all creatures, you go, Oh, okay. So there's, there's been this occult stuff that's been going on forever. It's not a new thing. The like scientists and NASA are doing occult practices. They were doing this all over the world. They were building the same pyramidal structures everywhere. They were all worshiping their gods. What happened in the last 300 years? Where we all just put our heads in the sand and we're like we're trying to analyze the world inside the matrix. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like well yeah, but then somebody will get pulled out of the matrix, and everyone gets pulled out in a different way. Yes, and yeah. they see something, or they have an experience, and they come out of it, and they go, "Wow, everybody is clueless." The hardest part is the church is clueless. But then you plug in some of these, these uh, things we've discovered on our show, like uh, Genesis six and such, and then you can you you let those burdens go. Like, oh, now I get why God needed to flood the world. Human beings were almost ex- went extinct if you if you take it literal, you know, and. And we try to apply the scientific method on our show. We don't. We like when you say the myth of Prometheus. I almost wonder if like I I am under the belief now that the, those people that those stories were real. They just preserve them in a, in a way that we can understand them throughout time. But I it seems as though those yeah,
1: demigods fits right into nephilim yeah, right into the Nephilim, mm-hmm. right in the nephilim walked
2: space. the earth at yeah. one point yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah no that's what I was doing I was trying to open it up from yeah. what we consider to be a myth. To yeah. I am now yeah. in this myth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: what I say in my introduction. I am now in this myth, and I'm going to write this book from being within it, and deal with it academics.
1: Hey, so <laughs> you
0: know because this is it.
1: <laughs> you were. You said you were. You were reading about these 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 original Catholic miracles, right? The, or these these yes, yes Did, yeah. did you find it's anything crazy in 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 the Vatican archives? Did you get? Did you come across? Yes, yes. Yeah. Tell us, because this is yeah. I mean, anything. It's
0: but, a whole. T- yeah, it's a whole whole treasure trove of blurry creatures.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're you talking know? about. Yeah,
0: miles and miles and miles. So I saw. I mean, there were so many things. I we were there to do specific study of um, Joseph of Copertino, who is a saint who is said to have flown around, right, levitated. Oh. And a lot of um, UFO abductions have levitation aspects to them, right? People are levitating up oh. and doing this. Um, I posted on my Twitter account, a picture of people going into purgatory and it literally looks like a flying saucer beaming people up into it, right? So I wanted mm. people to see that these images were are so similar and these representations are similar the interpretations are just different. You know, they called them souls from purgatory Then we call them UFOs now, kinds of things like that, right? In the Vatican archive, we came across a lot of things. We came across a, a woman who's called the woman uh, in blue. She lived in the 1600s in Spain, and she believed that she was being taken by angels, kind of flown up above Earth into space, where she could see the spinning Earth, and she described it, and taken to what she called the New World, which was basically New Mexico, and around that, this the Southwest, hmm. Arizona, all these areas, and she was put down, and then she actually interacted with uh, indigenous tribes there, wow. and in fact, that uh, one of the uh, leaders. Uh, the chief of that indigenous tribe just called me the other day and I have to return his phone call because awesome. he said, come on, tell me about the lady in blue. Like we really mm. want to know because they have statues of her and their whole oral tradition goes back to this time period. Uh, so there were missionaries from Spain who happened that they were evangelizing, right? And so they happened upon this indigenous tribe who already knew the gospel, already wow. knew That Jesus's name already knew all of these things. They were like, "How did you know?" You know, and they said, "This lady came," you know, and they were like, "What did she look like?" And so, it so this is uh, so we came upon her records and looked at her records, and then
1: it's like a whole episode. It's a whole episode itself, right there. (laughs) It was crazy.
0: So i I had already I thought I'd finished my book, but I turned it into my editor, and then once I saw this stuff, I realized I opened my book with going to New Mexico to this specific place and i recognized that this sister or nun believed that she had been at this place that i had been to too with this guy tyler who i was now at the vatican observatory with reading this woman's documents
2: wow Mm.
0: it was pretty weird that's
2: crazy and so i mean how much of that stuff is under lock and key though
0: oh yeah you have to have special credentials to get in it's and not something that you
2: can't get. Did you get to it, no, no did, you, no.
0: did you
1: see anything about the nephilim in there, or any, any of that kind of stuff, or was it?
0: There's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that you have to understand. A lot of people think that the cat. Okay, so for one thing, I'm a I'm a Catholic. I'm a historian of Catholic thought. I'm Catholic. I was let in because that's what I do, and I have a PhD. You have to go through a whole series of checkpoints in order to get in. Okay. So yeah, it is under lock and key. And barely anybody could get in there to read these documents. These documents are really old. Some of them would disintegrate, right, if you touch them. So you have to be careful with them. The thing is about it is this, and this is to stop any kind of conspiracy theory about Catholicism and Catholics, like like the Vatican is is trying to hide the truth about them. They know what they have. Um, they know that they're weird. They look at it within their theological worldview that this, these beings existed or exist. And that's okay. That God created everything, right? And that these beings are just part of God's creation. And they don't view them as like, you know, that they're trying to keep the world from knowing about, you know, these beings. These, you know, the thing is, is that those, the the Catholics right now at the Vatican are doing their hardest right now, their darndest to basically digitize those documents because those documents are basically... Going away, they're disin- like they're, they're disintegrating, really disappearing you know? for real. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah.
1: What do the Vatican think about uh, what do they What do they think about your your project? Did you get any any resistance talking about UFOs and then writing a book about UFOs? No, oh,
0: no, not at all. No, I have a lot of friends at the Vatican, and a colleague is Brother Guy Consolmagno, who's the director of the Vatican Observatory. In fact, we were given quarters at the Vatican Observatory to stay. Um, So we lived in those quarters for like a week to do our research. We were given lattes and I mean, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I actually lost an original Kepler, an original book by Kepler. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they were, they basically look, they probably changed the rules after I was there because I went there and I'm like, they, they go, oh, yeah, just look at whatever you want, you know? And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, okay. So I did. I looked at everything. I'm <laughs> like, okay, they have a whole hmm. wall of of something that's called um, extraterrestrial research, research wow. into extraterrestrials. And I was like, I'm starting here. And so, you know, you go through the whole thing. Every single day we'd wake up and we'd go in there and we wouldn't leave except for like a latte, right? right. Or like, you know, Or lunch or something like that. This is wild. And we go right back. It was awesome. And we go right back and we do the study again. And so I kept a lot of the books out. One of them was Kepler, you know. And for some reason, this was really fascinating to me because he was talking about magnetism and a lot of these kinds of things. And um, sadly, I misplaced that book. And so when I got back to the United States, I got a frantic email from Brother Guy, and he said, do you know where the Kepler is? You know, it's priceless, it's right? And I'm like, oh, gosh. See <laughs> <in> your carry on. <laughs> wow. No, I actually remembered, believe it or not, where I put it. I said, yes, I do. I do. And um, they probably, like I said, changed the rules after that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I felt so what really about- bad about it.
2: So what did, I mean, what did you read in there? Because I mean, it's difficult because I feel like something that we talk about on our show a lot, and it gets heated in our channels. It's just like every institution is compromised somewhere. Every institution. It's not just like oh, this institution's good, this institution's bad. It's just like there's there's good cop, bad cop in everything. Yes. And so it's hard to identify because like some of the things you said earlier in the episode, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole. is just like when spiritual entities appear to you and tell you something. And there's a lot of the historical accounts. I mean, how do you know which team they're on, you know, and you don't and you don't know. It's not that we don't believe it exists. It's just how do you not be deceived? Yes, and so yeah. but in terms of the Vatican, we've never really talked to anybody who's been inside of it and we know they have answers, but there's got to be some people in there that are probably not wanting certain things to get out. I mean, it can't be yeah, like 100 okay, so, across yeah. the board. Everyone's
0: well. There's a lot of people who playing. who are angry at at the Catholics in the Vatican for good reasons. You know, I mean the the you know the priestly pedophile thing, all that kind of stuff. Terrible, right? And the whole you know they, it's been around for a long time. The Vatican was the Roman Empire. I mean, it became the the you know Roman Catholic Empire. Right. I mean, it's like uh, when you go through Rome and you look at the, and you go into the Vatican and you go through their museum and everything, you basically see a history of colonization and war. And that wasn't pretty for me to watch or see, you know, it was a lot of carnage, okay, and, you know, taking of other culture stuff. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about an empire, not just a religion, okay? So I talked to uh, Peter Gumpel, who some of your listeners should. Check out. He's super interesting. He is in his 90s and he was he was supposed to be a cardinal, but he didn't want to be because he enjoyed being, he was a Jesuit and lives in the Vatican. And basically he is, he reminded me of Tyler because he had several, he had rules that were very much like Tyler's, where he couldn't go online. He doesn't have email, he couldn't see the news. You know, he had to keep his his own worldview separate from the world's mm-hmm. because you have to understand that they're taking their faith seriously. The Christians are in, but, of, but not of the world. So, right? So, mm-hmm. right? so that's, where, that's how they live. They believe that they're in the world, but they're not part of the world, right? Mm-hmm. The world lives with different values than like Father Gumpel. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean that everyone at the Vatican is like that? No, there's like such corrupt people there, but he wasn't one of them. And yeah. um, so, you know, I, I did my best to find those people and to talk to them. And he was a papal advisor to the last how many popes, you know, as long as he's been 30 years old. He was almost killed by Hitler. His nephew was killed by Hitler. His mother was almost killed by Hitler. He yeah. intervened to, to save her. So, you know, he's like, he knows so much history. Um, what does he think about UFOs, what do they think about? There's a great book by Brother Guy, Consul Manio, and his friend who's a Jesuit, who's a Father Mueller, and it's called, Would You Baptize an Extraterrestrial? Would the Pope Baptize an Extraterrestrial? And that goes along and talks about the whole history of extraterrestrial belief within the Catholic Church, basically. So to them, it's not as big a deal as it is to people in the United States mm. because people have been talking about extraterrestrials in religions for a very long period of time right just like you all say you know Mm -hmm. that it's back there in the bible i mean brother guy says look you know just look through the bible and you'll see reference to beings from other places in planetary intelligences and things like that so So it's different um,
1: terms now right like i mean literally yeah yeah angels extraterrestrials means not of earth and so we can think of yeah semantics which i think is interesting the way but but it's manipulated though which is very interesting that's how it in most people's minds, those are very different things.
0: They, yeah, in most people's minds, they're very different things. But if you look at the history of Catholicism, and you look at, like, especially people in the Vatican, they know about Emanuel Swedenborg, who's talking about angels and people on Venus and things like this in 1750, right? In 1750, there was a best-selling book called Life on Other Planets.
1: Well, it's just like, it's like the whole, it's, I think it's why there's mm. so much traction with ancient alien theory is that, it just takes all of that and puts it in an alien bucket, and then just says, "Oh right, yeah, aliens right, did this. Exactly, aliens yeah. came here. Yeah. Aliens did that." And it's like, well, uh, if you describe to a biblical worldview, that's not that's not how you would interpret it. Like it would be no,
0: no, no. So the Vatican doesn't. This is what they don't want. They don't want, and this has happened in the ufology community a lot. A lot of people who are what I would call UFO influencers, they're not necessarily researchers, but they're influencers. And they, they like to talk about the Vatican a lot. And they say we're going to go to the Vatican and we're going to bust open, you know, this thing. Well, guess what? They're not, they're on the outskirts of the Vatican. Like anybody who's been in the Vatican knows you can't just go into the Vatican. The guards are different. Like, you know how the guards look really nice on the outside. They are Mm -hmm. the Swiss guards, right? They have special uniforms and everything. When you get Mm -hmm. in the Vatican, they're actually scary as heck. (sighs) I mean, these people have like machine guns and they're wearing full fatigues and you don't Mm -hmm. go anywhere Unless you ha you're with someone in the Vatican. That's wild. Like yeah, I was, I, like you know, I was terrified of these guys.
2: Yeah, I, I was lucky to go there. I went there and went to St. Peter's and and went around, went the Sistine Look Chapel, and it was definitely Look at you, just so it, well traveled. It, it was no, I mean, it was uh, it was an experience. I just remember being like. Well, there's a lot of people there trying to trying to sell you something. They were yeah. trying to convince yeah. you. They are trying to sell you tickets to something that was free. That's what I noticed <laughs> right away is everyone's trying to, yeah. like, wait a minute. That's free. I know that's free, buddy. It, it's difficult. It was just – but everything's so amazingly old. I think that is – sometimes on our show, obviously, yeah, the Vatican does get – it sort of gets just – everything's blamed on the Vatican. Why is it in here? It's, it's at the Vatican. And I do think that, like I said earlier, there's just – there's so many people – that have infiltrated all these systems and they all have their own agenda and it's you can't it's not there's nothing is easy. Nothing Mm -hmm. is as easy as a lot of the people listening to our show. It's it's this easy. It's just this one deception. I'm like, no, it's not. It's very complicated. Satan's not gonna like leave any crumb trail if he doesn't have to. And
1: I just can't get I just can't get past Nate that there's a whole wall Diana that you said that yeah, it's an extraterrestrial well, I was going to ask her that like dude this yeah. is insane <laughs> what what yeah give us a little
2: rundown what are some of the talking points of that what are, what are some of the look at the, blue, yeah, the, the blue yeah, 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 okay.
1: yeah
0: yeah so in the extraterrestrial research uh part of the archive this is at the observatory um because all this anything that has to do with space doesn't go to the Vatican archive it goes to the observatory which is in Castle Gandolfo hmm. and that's a space observatory and so um so basically they just had from back in the day, you know, from like 1200 onward, what people have thought about and published about extraterrestrials. And so when they get in, when you get into the seventies, And when you get like the 60s and the 70s and 80s, it just took off and it got super interesting. And I could I didn't have enough time to go through everything. But what I noticed was that the terminology changed. So when you and this is another way to do archival research is that you don't just look at what's in there. You look at how things are categorized. All right, and if, and if there's a shift in the way things are categorized, you know that something happened. So I wasn't there long enough to figure this out, but I did have Tyler with me. And Tyler was part of the U.S. space program. So he was able to fill in some of these blanks. But what I found was that when they got to the 80s and certain space missions, they stopped. They were actually funding programs that were in search of intelligent extraterrestrial life. Right?
1: Like SETI? But Yeah.
0: yeah. But after that, they stopped funding that, and they started to search. Cert- they did microbiology, like they wanted to to find like you know traces of biological things, like bacteria, they, they no on meteors, and stuff. Yeah, yeah they yeah. yeah they weren't looking for it. They took out intelligence, and mm-hmm. I was like, why did they do that? That was after the Apollo, one of the Apollo missions, and so that's what Tyler looked at me and said, think about that.
1: Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. they got their question answered.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the funding and the funding for the research changed. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
2: But they tell you, you know, these, these things you can't talk about, or you had free access to write about whatever you, you found.
0: Uh, there were certain times when I was told to not talk about c- certain things and in no uncertain terms, basically. like Sounds threats. like Fight Club. There's I- a whole
1: Fight Club thing going on here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about it. Right.
0: And I w- I didn't. And then what happened was that all of this stuff happened where uh, the government started to talk about it and all of those things changed and nobody told me to, to not talk about it anymore. So I'm talking mm-hmm. about, except for referencing people who want to be anonymous, I'm talking about all kinds of things that I was told not to talk about.
2: And what do you think aliens and UFOs are? I mean, what do you, what's, your, what's your take if you had?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think that people have been seeing things in the sky for a very long period of time as long as humans have existed it appears that they've been having these experiences i don't discount these experiences i believe that people have them what they are um i have a professorly view and then i have a personal view and i separate those so my university won't you know so i can say this <laughs> yes. has nothing to do with my colleagues
2: right, right, right? Right. or disc- my graduate disclaimer there. professors, professors. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i do think that there are which v- is very over- fight club yeah I- I'm not in flight club. <laughs> right. I'm not Tyler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm just a professor. I'm not bound by those rules. Right. So I think that uh, there are a variety of these things. And I do believe that we can, like, you know, I do believe in these a- angelic presences. And I also believe in demonic presences. I feel like I felt these before. This is me not as a professor right. talking. Right. Okay. So um, this is just as a human being and being alive and having these experiences. I've always wanted to know what they were about. I feel like I know I have a better understanding of what they're about now. I feel like we make choices in our lives to open us up to various experiences. And I think that I've, I know people who've had very bad experiences, either drinking a lot or doing drugs and feeling these, feeling these things, you know, these, presences or whatnot. And even without those, you know, and I feel that I try not to go to places that where UFO activity is identified. I do not call any type. I'm not a CE five person, you know, a close encounters five person. I don't want to be, I don't want to hook in with any other, you know, I, I just don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to advocate that to anyone. And I believe that I believe that human beings are made to like we have, kind of like a some people would call it a God gene. I think we have a predisposition to want to to know about the spiritual component. Um, you could call it God, Jesus, whatever you're, you know, right. So I I believe in that, and I believe that people, if they want, can can do that. Um, I also have been studying the protocols that people have done, like monastic communities, communities of monks and nuns, and um, and the ways in which they've cultivated. Having experiences of uh, peace and love and goodness and things like that, what you would call, you know, God and prayer and contemplative prayer and things like that. So I think that these things are very real. I think some of them perhaps could be extraterrestrial. I do believe that some of them are interdimensional.
2: Mm.
0: So, yeah, I, I believe in a variety of different ones.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, it seems like it gets more complicated the more the more we uh, rocks we turn over and the more things we find and it's not easy it's not an easy answer you, you know you, you, i think a lot of people want an easy answer to a lot of these complicated topics and it's it's just not i mean it's just human beings have been given a little bit of information but we haven't given enough we've almost been given enough information just to carry on mm-hmm. and we're so cu- we're so curious yeah the fact that these sightings do go back and the alien the alien encounters do go back and i'm surprised as that there have been more academics involved in this topic than I originally thought when we started the show. Mm-hmm. It seems like when you go there, there, there are always this, a few outliers of people who, you know, apply the scientific method to these blurry topics and, and found some interesting stuff. And I didn't know that there was an archive in the, uh, the Vatican. Uh, during, Diane, I, I've, I've got, got, I've, got yeah. I've got one last question for yeah. you
1: here. Cause I, uh, yeah. I, I'm curious, do you have studied the UFO phenomena and, and then also having, sort of laid that over a religious infrastructure because that's that's where your that's where your expertise is and your study is. Most UFO people probably don't ascribe to religious beliefs per se. Like you talked about there's a lot of like it or not, there's a lot of spiritual supernatural element to this stuff. Mm-hmm. There probably there's mm-hmm. a very physical aspect to a lot of people's experiences and into there's also a very supernatural. So do you think that there is the UFO in in this UFO religious space, as you might define it. Do you think that they are there is a like almost a come to Jesus moment that could be waiting at the end of that as as people dive deeper into into this and then the reason yes. I, the reason yeah okay the reason I asked this is we've we talked about this before Nate about how in certain communities and this is in different not the UFO but maybe in the Bigfoot community and I believe this was Duke and I brought this up on another episode but I think it's fascinating the people that have encounters according to some of the people that are doing the research bigfoot encounters that a, a very a significant portion of those people get saved which is a really interesting mm. like reaction to having an encounter and so my question then is do you think that for a lot of these people that could end up with you know finding their answers in, in sort of a come to jesus moment
0: yeah so i my um, one of the things that I do is I look at people like classic examples of UFO events. Right. And I think we could all agree that Kenneth Arnold's 1947, you know, where he's a pilot and he's going over mountain Rainier and he is the envy. We, we get the term flying saucer from this encounter mm-hmm. that he has. So he has, he's a pilot. He is a smart engineered guy and his identifying these things and people calling them flying saucers he called them flying plates right they look like flying plates Mm -hmm. we all think that's a nuts and bolts kind of you know spacecraft type thing right but if you actually go back and you look at what happens to him after his encounter, you realize that he's, he describes these things as beings, as like living things. He also says that he thinks that they're like Ezekiel's wheel. And he also begins to make these prayer cards, like any Christian would, would know what a prayer card was, right? So he, he has the picture of the flying saucer. And on the back of it, he has his philosophy where he identifies this as spiritual. And he gives it to anybody who he, he meets. He says, have you heard of this? And he gives it to them because he's become evangelical about his spiritual oh, experience of having a UFO. So my point is this, is that I'm not overlaying a religious framework on UFOs. What I'm doing is I'm looking case by case at UFO events. And I'm saying, this looks weirder than you think, everyone. Like This mm-hmm. is a paranormal event. This is not just a nuts and bolts Mm. craft. You know, you can have all these, you know, pilots in the sky and like, you know, saying, oh, this and that's happening. And we take and but, you know, you go to the very first pilot in the sky and he's freaking out because now he's had this experience that leads him back to the Bible.
2: Mm. And I would I'd love to ask you like my last question is like is there a story in your life where you've had a, like a, a skeptical colleague or someone in your life that has you know you've had a conversation with and they've come full circle?
0: Yes, yeah,
2: yeah. Can you talk and tell about that a little bit.
0: Yes. So this was actually a colleague of mine who you would think shouldn't be skeptical because he's at Rice University. His name is Jeff Kreiple, and he's a friend of mine. And at the beginning, this was in 2012 when I had just written my book about Purgatory, and he was blurbing it i met him through my he's in my field he does religious studies and his background similar to mine he was he wanted to be a monk and then he kind of ended up at university of chicago in religious studies okay so He's going to blurb my book on purgatory, and we both know people in the UFO scene, right? And I I start to tell him about my experiences, and he thinks it's really interesting, but he doesn't buy – he buys that UFOs happen, but he doesn't associate them with our tradition of Catholicism at all. He doesn't. And so I say, wait a minute. He did his master's thesis on Teresa of Avila, who has had what looks like a classic kind of abduction experience, right? That's made into – if you've been to Rome, you may have seen the statue of Bernini statue of Teresa. It's called the ecstasy of St. Teresa. And you see this angel kind of with a dart that's going like this to her. And it looks like a cherub. But if you read the original account, so when I had my experience of that weekend, I looked back at hers and I reread her account of it because she wrote it down in her diary. And I subsequently published about it. And I read it and I said, my goodness, like she's having this experience that John Mack talks about in his book. So I wrote to Jeff and I said, Jeff, look, you know, Teresa had this experience. He said, no, 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 no. He said, she didn't Diana. He said, that's Freudian. That's all like Freudian and clearly nothing to do with UFOs. And so I, I did a translation where I, I kind of emphasized like that this being was, she really saw it. It was short. It wasn't like a big angel. It didn't have wings. It had a dart, which she, which, you know, did, like the examination on her and everything like that. And I sent it back to him and it freaked him out. He was like, Oh my gosh. He mm-hmm. said, it's, it's like UFOs all the way down.
1: Yeah, That's <laughs> wild.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's, and it feels like that's to, to me, some of the extent of the, the, the way that religions and, and the Bible is taught is, is it's like all that stuff is edited out of the story. All those characters are omitted. So we're all kind of confused. And then eventually if we take some of the like verses in Matthew 23 Jesus says, you know like the days of Noah when I'm gonna come back I mean, what does that mean? It feels like those realms that were once interacting with human beings, you know we we didn't have this problem of disbelief. We didn't have this problem of oh, I don't believe in any of that stuff you know I don't believe in creatures, I don't believe in in, in UFOs and there, it was it, it was more like which side are you on you know in ancient history and then and then we've kind of gone to this 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 era where, we, we spend all our time debating if these things are happening and then... Right. And it's it's such a waste of time because once you get out of that and you realize, man, this phenomenon is not just in one of these camps. There's so many camps of weird stuff happening and we have to spend some time actually figuring out like what is going on because clearly there's going to be a deception. Like you said, you didn't end your book with like a positive note because oh. it sounds like what you hear is what we hear is like, it's going to, to be such... A a mind grenade on too many people at once where people aren't going to know what to think because the church isn't educating people as a whole. There are some churches that talk about the weird stuff, but as a whole, most people have no idea that our government's trickling this out, that there's this ancient history you don't know. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is undercover. So I guess we try to be hope dealers on the show and say, you know, this is why you need this is why you need a savior. This is why the son of God came to save you because this, this kingdom of darkness is deceptive. It's big. It's, it's gnarly. So we try to talk about that a lot on our show and it's really encouraged my faith. It's just like, yeah, you know, I do need a savior. I do need someone to put my hope in. It sounds like some of your colleagues are coming around when you're, when you're, Shooting them over some info. They've come
0: around. Uh, A lot of people. I I was. Um. I honestly thought maybe ten people would read my book, but it seems like it resonates with a lot of people. And people do want to know. And they are wake. There are wake. You know, I hate to use that term, waking up. But yeah, they are waking up to the fact that Mm -hmm. that is supernatural. And as much as the and the people who are most angry are the people who want it to be spaceships, you know, with technology. They don't want the supernatural stuff because it's too weird for them. But, you know, it's like you have to go where the data takes you.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing we thought 10 people would listen to our podcast. Yeah, I was going to say then. the same thing, Nate. We're
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> Nate and I are just going to do this because we, 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 like, we like to have a good
2: time and talk to each other. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. And then, yeah, we, we, we hit some of these charts, and I'm like, oh, no, this is crazy. I don't know if I want it to get any bigger. No, I night.
0: know. I know that feeling. Ooh, it's uh, like, we whoa. We get trolled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: a lot of people troll us, and a lot of people from different camps, and everyone has their – you know, like I was saying, I don't pick on the flat earthers, but, you know, they love our show and they listen to our show and they really, really want us to get into these these areas. And we're, we're talking creatures, you know, We're that's the fences we put up on this show. And sometimes we get out of those lanes. Mm-hmm. Something like a Bigfoot encounter can bring you can bring your faith full circle. You can it's almost like it it's not related, but it is related. It gives you permission to believe all the strange stuff. Right. And. And I love all the academics who are giving people permission in these spaces. Hey, you can believe the weird stuff. It's everywhere. It's out there. And, and there's right metrics for you. it.
1: I think that's the other thing. that's important, right? Yeah.
2: That's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Well, Diana, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah. You want to? Yes, tell, it has. Tell, Thank dude, th- you so much. Thanks so much. And, and do you want to tell people where they can they can find your work or and the sure. stuff you're doing?
0: Well, I do have a um, an, an Amazon author page, and all my books are there. I have a lot of free stuff that's on academia.edu, and people can look at that too. Uh, and it talks a lot about how technology and us interface, you know, and what that means for the way that we believe stuff. Mm. But yeah, oh, and I have a Twitter account. That's um, I try to stay off of a lot of social media because of yeah. the the trolling that goes on. You know, it's just oh, not man. good for anyone. Negativity, uh, but man. I do, yeah. yeah. But I do have a Twitter account, D.W. Pasolka, and um, I post stuff there. And there are a lot of supportive people there too. So,
2: yeah. Well, if you ever want to come back and do like a a deep dive on the Vatican, uh, (laughs) oh,
0: I will. Yeah, absolutely.
2: That would be fun because yeah, I feel like it's it's shrouded in mystery a lot. We're, we're trying to get someone who knows a lot about the Vatican and someone who's been inside the Smithsonian knows a lot about that, <laughs> that, that, ah, in, yeah. that institution yeah. as well. <laughs> if you know anybody who's willing to spill the secrets on the Smithsonian, we'd love them.
0: Oh, that would be a good too. one. I'll get one of my colleagues who does that, and I'll do the Vatican, and he or she could do the Smithsonian. There we go. And That would be a cool we'll show. We'll disguise
2: yeah. your voices do not be tell amazing. anybody who
1: you are so we can, so we can tell all the secrets.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're always Whoa. trying to figure out what's going on in the in the blurry blurries. The blurry verse is what we call Oops. it. Oh, that's cool. Um, I like that.
1: The blurry. <laughs> verse. We're, we're grateful for your time, and you know you have you have yep. five teenagers. So yes, um, I do. Yeah. We know you're uh, yeah. Andrew, and the chair. You're you academic chair of your department, and you're writing books. So grateful spending a couple, you know, spending some good time here with a couple of knuckleheads and just just want to ask questions. Yeah, and just, and just thank you. And so yeah, everybody, check, go check out American Cosmic. Uh, big shout out to Matt Marr, uh, who recommended we reach out to you yeah thanks Matt yeah and uh and actually yeah. did did some show notes for this so Matt you're you're appreciated but, oh cool yeah but we uh now we're and my
2: sister Jan yeah Davis all right alumni. Yeah, yeah Davis thank alumni Yes,
1: right yeah so cool yeah, Nor-Cal, that's right. yeah. we got NorCal here Nor-Cal. yeah yeah and and thank you for praying for us and I don't know if that'll end up on the episode you but you know because we started I don't know if we started recording already or not but but appreciate that and uh Thank yeah. you for just thank you for yeah. thank you for taking time is value time is is valuable and we just appreciate your time so oh
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely take yeah. care yeah. thanks so much thanks, Diana. guys Thanks, okay. there you bet take Bye. care Bye.
2: good to meet you You
0: too.